0: Amen. Do you sense God's presence with us today? I hope you do. And if you don't, hopefully you will by the end of the service. And uh, just know, and if you don't sense it, just uh, let me encourage you that God's presence is here with us today. Amen. His Holy Spirit is moving among us. I'm going to have Olivier come back and read Romans chapter 8, verses 12 to 17. And uh, I will have it up here on the screen in English so you can follow along
1: a Roma 2:8 murongo Shift it for me. ariko niba umwuka uyazuye Yesu aba muri mwye yazuye Kristo Yesu azazura n'imibile yacu ipfa ku wayo uba muri mwye nuko rero bene data turi ariko so ka kamera y'imibiri yacu ngo kuko niwa mukurikiza ibya kamera y'umubiri uzapfa ariko Nimichisha umwuka ingeso za muzarama abayoborwa n'umwuka wa bose nibo bana b'Imana kuko mutaha umwuka ububata ubasubiza mu bwoba ahubwo ngahawe umwuka uba hindura abana b'Imana Ututakisha uti aba Data. Umuka wimana uge ahamanya numukawa wacu yoko navi man. viiman. One more. Kandi Ugoturi Ava Navayo. Turi Navarag Nabaragwa Dese Turabaraganwa Bimana Turi Abaraganwa Kristo Niba tuva Barana Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Olivier. That passage speaks about fear, being no longer slaves to fear. Today, I'd like to talk with you uh, from our series, Letters to Leaders. We're going to be coming from Second Timothy, so not Romans, but that passage teaches us a little bit about fear. And sonship and adoption and we're going to be looking at 2nd Timothy chapter 1 verse uh, 7 as our text. So if you want to follow along from 2nd Timothy, that's where we'll be coming from. I've titled today Reset and uh, my goal today is to kind of guide us through, maybe help us to consider might be a, a good way to say it, to guide us through what it means to what we need to do to reset Our thinking when we find ourselves in places of fear. Sometimes when we find ourselves confronted with situations where we are fearful, sometimes we need a change in perspective. And that's what we're going to talk about today is how to reset ourselves when fear seems to be all-consuming. So that's where we're going today, and again, we're going to come from Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. And it's one of my favorite verses in the New Testament. Some of you might have memorized it as well, and we all know it in different versions, you know. But for the spirit that God gave us, it is not a spirit of fear, but it is a spirit of power, spirit of love, and a spirit of self-discipline, or a sound mind, some of you might have learned it as. The spirit that God gave us is not a spirit of fear. So I walk into a restaurant. This is just a picture of a random restaurant. I walk into a restaurant. I am with somebody that I know. Maybe it's my family. I sit down and the server brings some, uh, menus and we sit down, we start looking at the menus and they come back and we order and we're sitting there waiting and we're talking, we're chatting and the room is filled. Lots of other things and we're sitting near other people and that sort of thing and then the server brings the food and our family, we always pray before we eat. But I notice all of the people around me. I notice the people that are looking at me and and I notice the servers going to look in, there. are they going to come back? Do we need to refill the water? And it's like, where do we where do we pray? Where do we fit that in, right? Because we're being kind of eyed. We're we're being looked at or at least I feel like we are. And so what do I do? I I pray, but I I kind of cut it short because I want it to fit right in that little window of time when we're not being disrupted by anything, right? Fear, fear of maybe what people think has caused my communion with God to be cut short. I might be alone in that, but that's okay. I'm just telling you, that's kind of one of the things I've struggled with, just fear of being in public and expressing my faith. It's just a a random picture of some people in in a gathering, so I find myself in a gathering, different different story, different scenario. I find myself in a friend gathering. It's people that I know, people that I'm generally comfortable with, but maybe not close friends. And and we're having a great time. We're talking. We're having a really fun uh, time talking. But the conversation sort of shifts. It shifts into maybe politics, or it shifts into some of the social issues, or or something like that. And all of a sudden, I find myself kind of in the minority. Like I'm all of a sudden, the group is talking about this, and they're taking this perspective, and I'm like, but I don't really agree with that, but now I'm alone, I'm kind of on an island, and so what do I do? I, I kind of shut down, I get a little quiet, I stop asking questions, I, with, I withdraw, because I'm fearful of rejection. I don't want to put myself out there too far. I don't want them to really know what I think, because this great group of friends maybe wouldn't continue I have a really, really good friend. And all of a sudden, we've walked a journey together for a long time and all of a sudden he comes to me one day and he says, you know what, I, I don't think I believe the same things that you believe. I don't think the Bible says what you think it says and I think you're wrong. What do I do? I'm forced, like... In that moment, my friend has kind of forced me to take a position, take a side. Am I, am I going to side with my friend? And I want to keep that friendship. And of course, I want to keep loving them. I want to keep encouraging them. I want to, I want to keep walking that journey with them. But, but I really have a pretty firm conviction on what I think the Bible says. And, and how do I make them feel comfortable around me, but at the same time, let them know what I think? And, and what if they start saying things about me or my family or the church? Or what if they start saying some things that are hurtful? And and I'm fearful. I'm fearful in that moment of what somebody's going to say to me, what I'm going to feel in that moment, or how the... I'm, I'm fearful of the unknown. I'm fearful of all kinds of stuff. Those are just three small vignettes or examples in my own life of ways that fear has encroached upon my life. I can't begin to unpack all of them. Uh, This morning we'd be here a long time. And I certainly can't unpack all of them for you. But today we're looking at ways that fear inhibits us. Fear comes in all shapes and sizes. Of course, there's the big fears, right? There's fears like jumping out of a plane or maybe walking down a path and being confronted by a mountain lion or, or getting ready to walk into battle and kind of the fear of, of battle and conflict. Or maybe it's a fear of like going to this job interview that you really, really want, but you're just not quite sure if you're qualified and you really want. And so there's this fear of saying all the right things and Maybe it's a fear of somebody breaking into my house. Like, there's big fears, right? There's, There's all kinds of those big fears, but there's all kinds of little fears, some of which I've already touched on a little bit, right? The fears of what will people think of me, my choices, my decisions, what will I do in life? Did I make the right decision? Did I do the right thing? FOMO? Anybody know FOMO? Raise your hand if you know FOMO. For those of you that don't, fear of missing out. Anybody have fear of missing out on stuff? Got to say no for my own health and well-being, but what am I going to miss by saying no? Fear of all the what-ifs. What if my son or daughter gets into that relationship, and how is it going to impact them? And what if I can't, pay this particular bill, and what if I can't put food on the table? What if I can't find this job or do this or that? What if, what if, what if? What if I screw up parenting? What if my kids don't turn out the way everybody thinks they should? What if, what if, what if? Fear can cripple us, and it often does. Fear can cause us to do all kinds of things that go against Christ, that go against a life lived in the confidence and power of the Holy Spirit. Fear can cause us to compromise. Fear can cause us to fail to act when we should. Fear can cause us to lose our self-discipline. Fear can cause us to misread situations, second-guess people's motives. Fear can cause us to be impulsive. I better do this now because I don't want to miss out. Fear can cause us to shame spiral. You'd have to be a fan maybe of author and Dr. Brene Brown who talks a lot about the power of vulnerability and shame in our culture and how much that influences us and how much fear is involved in the idea of shame and making mistakes and feeling like I don't measure up and comparing myself. And and when I start comparing myself and I get into this spiral of, like, I don't compare, I don't measure up, and all of a sudden I'm not good enough, and did I say the right thing? and and it's And we begin to do this spiral downwards. And our self-image goes into the mud. Fear. Fear drives us to do a lot of things that we wouldn't normally think of doing. So in our passage today, 2 Timothy chapter 1, I think that Paul is writing this letter to Timothy with the full understanding and the full knowledge that fear will cripple Timothy's effectiveness in this early budding church plant in Ephesus. He's afraid that fear is going to undo the ministry and the work that has started there. His letter sort of seems to be prompted by the idea that Timothy's acting timidly. Maybe he's a little bit discouraged. He's not living into his full potential. He's possibly even ashamed of the gospel, possibly even ashamed of Paul, because if you know anything about this letter, you know that Paul was writing this letter from prison. Now imagine what that must have done to the early church and to the communities in which they found themselves. Here's the great apostle Paul. He's been thrown in prison. And Timothy is forced to explain it. Timothy is forced in the face of all this dissension and all the things that are going on and the licentious behaviors that are going on in Ephesus. He's forced to explain why his leader, why the apostle Paul is sitting in prison. You can imagine that maybe he was a little bit fearful. Maybe he was a little bit timid. Like, what do I do with this now? Was Timothy ashamed? Was Timothy ashamed of Paul? We don't know, but Paul certainly thinks he might have been. 2 Timothy 1 8, if we look down in the passage, it says, So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord, and don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for the truth. Shame, fear, doubt began to potentially creep into Timothy's ministry and cripple his effectiveness and cripple what he was. Doing. Now, I ask you right now just to think, what do you think about people who are in prison? Because what you think about people in prison is going to shape a little bit how you read this passage. If you fundamentally trust the justice system, then anybody right now who's in prison is probably guilty. But, if you come at this from the idea that the prison and the justice system is not all that fair and inherently unjust... Then we might be a little more predisposed to think of those who are in prison as innocent until proven guilty. But how you shape your view of the justice system impacts how you read this passage. And for many of us, the other perspective that impacts how we read this is the way we've been raised. This is Paul we're talking about. Paul is in prison. And to our eyes, Paul in prison is the greatest injustice there ever was. If you've been raised in the church, you know Paul is the pillar of the church. So of course he's not wrong. But I urge you for a few minutes to think, what was it like back then? What was it like for Paul, who was relatively unknown, to be in prison? Think about somebody maybe right now who's in prison or has been accused of some doing some things now, and there's sometimes a sense that they did something wrong. Except if they're Christian, or maybe they're being persecuted. Think about those in the Middle East right now. Pastors and other leaders in Christian churches are being hauled into prison right and left all the time, right? And the Christian churches, the people that pray for them are, are believing in their innocence, of course, but they're in communities, Muslim communities dominated by the Islamic faith, and and of course those individuals think that they're guilty. And so it's in that milieu, that, that setting where Paul must be wrong, but Timothy's like, no, Paul didn't do anything wrong, and Paul's like, I didn't do anything wrong, but... They're in a community of people that says he must have done something wrong because what are they trying to do now? If you take a stand, as Timothy must have needed to and as we sometimes need to do in our day, if you take a stand, what do you do? You align yourself with that person. Now you open yourself up to ridicule. You open yourself up to the potential same outcome. Do I want to go to prison? Do I want to be thrown and cast in jail? Do I want to be ridiculed and martyred? It happens today, but I'm forced, right? Confronting my fear of who do I trust? Where do I stand? Who do I align with? And imagine how hard Timothy must have been fighting. Because you know they were attacking, I believe they must have been attacking his credibility. Look at Paul. This is your leader. He's in jail. Why would God throw anybody? If they're right, if he's doing the right thing, why would he be in jail, Timothy? Come on now. Tell us a little bit more about your God. What is this all about? This injustice that Paul is unjustly treated. You you hear that over and over and over again. And some of you do. Some of you hear that today. Some of you hear the attacks against your faith. Because it's so counter-cultural. It's so against the grain. And it chips away at your confidence. It undermines your faith. And you begin to... Ask all those why questions. Why, God? Why would you do this to me? Why would you put me in this position? Why don't you, why don't you just come and do something? Why don't you change the perspective? Why don't you do some miracle right here and right now? You know, I know, I believe you can, but why don't you? Why? Where are you, God? And all those why questions, they just chip away at our confidence. They chip away at our belief, our trust, and They chip away so much so that when somebody else comes along and at some point we we crumble, we fade, we, we lose our confidence. It's into that situation. It's into that idea that Paul writes this letter. could be writing it to you and I today couldn't he and what does he do paul very quickly in the first chapter of second timothy changes the perspective he needs to reset Timothy's focus. He needs to reset Timothy's passion and his vision for why he's doing what he's doing. Changes in perspective help us to push that reset button. You know that part on your phone, maybe in a, it's a computer, where you can go in and you can push that button that says reset to factory default? Anybody know, anybody know that? Nobody does it because we're afraid we lose everything on our phones. We, of course we would, right? That's the whole point. But that's the idea here is that we, sometimes we need to push that reset button because we've been overwhelmed by life. and We need to let go of some of the junk that's clouding us. We need to let go of some of the perspectives that are overwhelming us because God did not give us a spirit of fear but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. And so, in order to rearrange our thinking, we have to change our perspective. And I'm going to show you just briefly how I think Paul did that in this letter. So let's just, I'm going to give you three words to remember today. Three words to remember. The first one is remember. Remember, refocus, and re-engage. Let's just look real briefly at 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm starting here in verse 3. What does he do very early on in this letter? He says, Timothy, I thank God for you. The God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Because night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. And I will be filled with joy when we are together again. Paul is remembering. He's causing Timothy to remember. And he goes on in verse 5 to say this. I remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And what does he say? And I know that you share the same faith. That that same faith continues in you today. Remember. Remember where you came from verse 6 this is why i remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift god gave you when i had when i laid my hands on you remember remember not only where you came from remember grandma remember mom remember the same faith that was in you remember when we commissioned you remember the spirit of god that came on you and why why should you fan that into flame because The spirit that God gave you is not a spirit of timidity or fear. The spirit that God gave you is a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Remember, Timothy. Remember where you came from. And then he shifts gears and he moves into verses 8 and 9. And I'll pick up with verse 9. He says, here's the refocus part. He says, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of this plain to us by appearing, by the appearing of Christ Jesus our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the great and good news. And God chose me to be a preacher and apostle and a teacher of this good news. Let's refocus, Timothy, why are we here? We're not here because of us. You're not here because of me. You're here because of what Christ Jesus did. And you're not here because you deserve it. You're not here of anything that you did. So all the ways that people are trying to attack you or attack me or cast us under... No, it's not about that. It's about Christ Jesus. Him crucified. He saved us from the beginning of time. And we are here to live a holy life to celebrate Him. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Amen. So we refocus. We remember where we came from and then he says refocus on why you are here, on why you're doing what you are doing. And then let me shift over to uh, verse 13 because here's the re-engage part. Verse 13 says this, Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me, a pattern shaped by faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Hold on to what I taught you. Don't lose it. Don't let it go. Hold on to what I taught you. Through the power, hear it again, right? Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. And if I go down into chapter 2, it says this, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths. Now, teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Reengage, Timothy. Remember where you came from. Remember the power of the Spirit that is in you. Refocus on why you're doing what you do and reengage. Get back in the game. Because the mission that you're on is too critical, it's too important to be afraid of. Remember, refocus. And re-engage. And then there's just this interesting verse in verse 15. And I've been wrestling with this one. Verse 15 he says, As you know, everyone from the province of Asia has deserted me. Even Fidilus and Hermogenes. Some of us do what we do because we depend on the results that we get. As long as I'm getting results then I'll keep doing what I'm doing. But the minute I don't get the results, I'm questioning myself, I'm questioning if I'm in the right place, I'm questioning if God is who he is, and we we base what we do on the results that we get. And if you're doing that, stop. Because Paul didn't even get results all the time. The message of Jesus Christ is not an easy message for this world to hear. One of the verses I one of the places in scripture I always go back to is John chapter six, the the end of John chapter six, where he's he's taught about the his body and his blood and this this communion we're supposed to have with him, and toward the end of that chapter in chapter six it says all the people that were following him looked at him and says, This is a hard teaching. Who can follow it? And everybody except the few disciples. Everybody walked away from Jesus because the message was hard. Don't base your life in Christ. Don't base the things that you do for Christ. Don't base your faith on the experience that you get, the reactions that you get from other people. Love God first. What does Jesus tell us Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Love God. Love Him. Love Him only. Love Him first. Only then do we love our neighbor as ourselves. Don't base who you are on other people. Base it on who God is. The Spirit that is in you, the Holy Spirit that is in you knows no fear. Maybe I should say that again and and get a little amen. The Spirit that is in you knows no fear. That is a powerful truth that you need to hold on to today. God need not fear anyone or anything. His Spirit is at work in you. It is a Spirit of inestimable power, of audacious and radical love. And of comfort and soundness to our mind of self-discipline. That is the spirit that is at work within you and me. Amen. 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 Some of you today are struggling with fear. And it's understandable. I shared with you just the little ways, a few little ways that I struggle with fear. You're not alone. Your roots, and this is for those of you who have those deep roots right now. Your roots go deep. Your roots go deep. You know who Jesus Christ was. You know what it was like when you were converted. You know what it was like when somebody laid hands on you and prayed for you. And you know what it was like when you experienced the power of the Holy Spirit for that first time. You know, and I'm challenging you today, remember, remember what it was like that first time when you came into contact with Jesus Christ. Remember the radical life transforming experience that you had. Remember. And then refocus. Refocus on who he is. Refocus on that moment. Refocus on why you're here. And then get back in the game. He wants you to be a part of the journey of life with him. He wants you to be engaged with the people around him. He wants you to be transforming the world around you. Remember. Remember and refocus and reengage this morning. You have not been given a spirit of fear. But fear is crippling many of us. For those of you who don't have those deep roots this morning. Maybe this is all kind of new. And you're still struggling to figure it out. Where do I fit? What does God mean to me? And is He really real? And can I trust Him? And, and what if I'm in this school situation and I, and I want to like live a little differently and I hear people listen to this music and that and they're saying this and that and they're doing this at parties and, and I don't want to do all of that, but I'm going to be looked at as some kind of crazy kid and all. Like, what do I do with that, God? Who are you in my life in that moment? That's real stuff. It's real stuff that we go through. And today, I want you to hear that God wants you to trust Him. God wants all of who you are. God wants you to know that He made all of that stuff. And music is supposed to be enjoyed, but sometimes it can be used for evil. And and relationships are meant to be encouraging and uplifting, but sometimes they tear us down. We have to choose. Are we going to follow and trust God into the ways those things can bless us, or are we going to choose to live in the way the world does and be torn down by it? You have a choice. And today I'm inviting you to make that choice for Jesus Christ. Surrender your life. Let Him know that you love Him. Let Him know that you want to follow Him, even though it's tough. Even though you don't get it all. Just today is your day. Today is the day because Jesus Christ loves you. He died on the cross for you. He died for you. He died for you. Hold on to these truths, fellow leaders, fellow disciples. Teach with boldness and confidence. Don't shrink back. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. We're surrounded by a world that would cut us and will cut us to pieces for our faith. Maybe you can think of it like David Wilkerson who as a young missionary to New York City was walking down and trying to convert a gang member on the streets of New York City and he confronted in his boldness and probably in all the, did all the wrong things, but he confronted this gang leader and the gang leader said, I'm gonna slice you to a thousand pieces. And David Wilkerson in his boldness looked back at him and said, you can do that. But just know that Every one of those thousand pieces is going to say, I love you. And Jesus loves you. That was his confidence in Jesus Christ. And Nicky Cruz gave his life to the Lord a short time later. Be bold. Be confident. Today, we can reset our faith with these principles. Our confidence needs to be in Jesus Christ, not ourselves. His spirit is one of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Today is the opportunity we have to spend some time reconnecting, refocusing, remembering, refocusing, and figuring out how we need to re-engage in our relationships, in our friendships, in the world that surrounds us. So we're going to take some time to do that right now. Tanya's going to play for us, and I'm just going to give you some space. You have the card in front of you. You can do this in a personal way, but I really, really encourage some of you to gather together in some small groups. Look to some people that are around you. Because it may not be your story this morning. It may not be that this is what you need, but it could be that that person sitting next to you needs that And they need your encouragement to help them do that. So don't just look at this moment as something individual. Follow the leading of the Spirit. Be together in some smaller settings and pray for one another. And let the Spirit renew you today. To be reminded that He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Amen? We're going to take some time. I encourage you to do that together, however the Lord leads. Amen.